0: Welcome to episode 152 of the Campus Comics Cast, where you can feel free to share your password to this podcast with all of your friends, because unlike Netflix, we don't plan to charge you any extra per episode. My name is Scott Reed, and I am joined on this episode by...
1: Mike Atchison. And Chad Schubert.
0: And, of course, this is the Campus Comics Cast, the official podcast for Muddy Monster Comics, located at 1422 Walnut Street in Murfreesboro, Illinois. And I'm going to do a little bit of self-promotion just to start this episode off. But I dropped off about 3,000 comic books uh, at Muddy Monster Comics last week. So if you're in the market to dig through dollar books, uh, there are probably 10 to 12,000 comics there between what I just dropped off and what Mike already has in the shop. So, yeah, you should definitely make a point ...to stop in and check it out. So uh, this episode, we're planning on talking about Truth, uh, Red, White, and Black... ...and then uh, wrap up the episode with a review of Rachel Rising, Volume 1... ...and then, of course, a CLZ shake. But I guess the big news for most people, not for us, because we like the comics more than the movies... But that being said, we'd like to talk about the movies as well. We finally do have some information from DC, specifically uh James Gunn and okay, is it Peter Safran? Is that right? Yeah, yeah Peter Safran, all right, about what the future holds for uh the DC movie universe and let's just say it's an unexpected lineup. What do you guys think?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I necessarily expected, but um there's definitely an approach that isn't like let's get all the big dominoes and and hit them, uh, which is good. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that for sure. But yeah, if 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 you would have said, I guess with with Gunn with with his history of his his casting with his the Suicide Squad mm-hmm. and his handle of the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I guess you wouldn't be surprised that he would pull some random characters and try not to just hit all the big ones, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting lineup for sure. Mike,
0: Yeah, think I, I
2: think this? I would have been more disappointed if he hit us with the same, you know, the go-tos, the Trinity, um, and, and only Man, the, Batman,
0: Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. I, and,
2: yeah. and maybe a couple just for good measure, a couple other properties, but you know, this, at first, at first glance, when you look at the announcements, you think, what's the connective tissue between all of these, but, Really, they're not going to sit there and tell you right off the bat. It's it's the the fun of it is seeing it build mm-hmm. as it goes. And you, I I'm for one, I'm 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 not going to be critical in advance. I'm going to reserve judgment on things until I get a chance to see them. This is the most positive I've felt about upcoming DC uh, movies or TV shows or animation uh, in for. Well, forever, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's the first time that we've had someone that's been the, I don't know what the right word would be, the hawker, the guy that's promoting. The Feige. The Feige, yeah. <laughs> and Gun's not afraid to get out there and put himself on the line. Um, I don't know if Saffron Sword the is sort of the guy behind the scenes, but... Peter Gunn is not afraid to say what, you know, what his plans are or, you know, at least as much as he can. And Mm -hmm. the if you watch the video that he put out, it's it's pretty refreshing to see that because for years it's just been guesswork and you get little snippets of this and that Mm -hmm. and who's in charge of what. And it's uh, I think even in his video, um, he mentions that they, you know, DC in the past was kind of giving out these IPs like candy Mm -hmm. just to ever. You know, whatever creator that that, you know, gave him a a, a little bit of a couple of bucks on a wink. They're like, oh, (laughs) would you like this? You know, so (laughs) I I, I think that's pretty telling.
0: Yeah. And the fact that he even called Warner Brothers out for like how poorly they treated Cavill through all of this. I mean, yeah, he said he said a lot of things. We'll see if he's able to stick around because, Uh you know, we have to wonder about Warner Brothers executives, if they're going to start taking that personal and if they get if they're like they're being attacked too much. Sure. Uh, I if they've been willing to, you know, take over some of the past projects like Snyder, I was I enjoyed the Snyder until it got derailed by Joss Whedon. Yeah. Um so you know it's they could derail this just as easy it just takes you know one memo to some secretary typing it out and this all can change but uh, the good news just, is
1: is that the the ceo of of warner entertainment is different now too right so yeah. whatever major stones are thrown from james gunn aren't aimed at a current ceo it's <laughs> aimed <laughs> at, a, at a past ceo so yeah. that helps a little bit
2: that's true and it's i mean I don't think it's a secret. This isn't like uh, a big reveal that there's been problems with mm-hmm. the way D.C. or Warner Brothers has rolled out right. the D.C. properties. So he's, he's not telling us anything we don't know already as fans. Yeah.
0: It's funny, though, that these movies that were disappointments, most of them made between three quarters to a billion, <laughs> billion dollars and they were still disappointments yeah that's you know that's that's but that's neither here nor there so the first chapter is what they are referring to as gods and monsters which we talked about before we started recording is a terrible (laughs) storyline at least the one that i remember for gods and monsters but that being said the first reveal is for an animated series on hbo max creature commandos now who if you had been a betting person uh, would have bet Creature Commandos was the first reveal for this new lineup.
1: It wasn't on my card.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I wouldn't have said yeah. I'm gonna if someone asked me two weeks ago, pick ten DC properties that will be put into production like this. It wouldn't have been that. But I have heard recently someone say this on a podcast how it would be such a good, you know, these guys, th- this team would be a lot of fun to do. I don't know where I remember – I don't know where I heard it from, but it's – well, if you look at the animation still, it looks like it's pretty good art. Mm-hmm. Um, the only critical thing I have is that there's only two members of this team that are actually part of the original creature commandos, mm-hmm. and that's Frankenstein and G.I. Robot. Okay. And, I mean, the rest of them are all like uh, Dr. Phosphorus is a Batman villain. Bride mm-hmm. of Frankenstein. I don't know. She may have had an appearance at some point. It's not like I collected all of the GI combats.
0: Or would her, was her first appearance? Would it have been in Seven Sons of Victory? That Grant Morrison story. Or was she? Or did she say, predate yeah. that?
2: No, I, I don't remember her ever predating that. I mean, the, the original Creature Commandos were basically your, your universal, universal, your mm-hmm. you know, your Frankenstein, Dracula, and Wolfman. Man, yeah. But Weasel and you Mummy, were from, right? Sorry. And the Mummy, right, was one of. Oh uh, yeah, the Mummy. Yeah, was it was. And then G.I. Roback came in like a, a little bit later, but but most of these are uh, in, you know, they came about from other parts of the D.C. universe, like the weasel. And uh, <laughs> I don't know who's that. I forgot. who I mean, you got uh, Rick Flagg from the Suicide oh, yeah. Squad, but uh, this is, that's Rick
1: Flag senior.
2: Senior, okay, yeah, because this is okay. probably based in the 1940s.
1: And I'm assuming Weasel's in there so that he could give his brother brother a job. job. Yeah,
2: that's true. <laughs> I that.
0: I was going to say that to you, but you didn't say it.
2: In everything Gun's been involved in, his brother is at a yep. job. That's right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, all right. So next, next. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Just to just it'll be. I think it'll be fun. I'm glad to see the animation, the animated universe, be part of this.
0: So next up is Waller. This is a live-action HBO again HBO Max, mm-hmm, all yep. right series, all right, and it's going to apparently sit between season one and season two of Peacemaker. So I guess we're going to get a second season of Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is Viola Davis Davis coming back as Amanda Waller, so we can't we can't fault the casting there for sure. No. But, uh, yeah. So um, I guess probably our big concern is. You know, is Waller going to be too influential? Is this going to be the Waller of Black Adam? Or is this going to be a different Waller, right? Where, you know, Superman was beholden to her as opposed to the more, uh, <laughs> yeah, underhanded side of Amanda Waller. So
1: I think we're going to go we're going to see the the Waller we've seen in Peacemaker mm-hmm. season one and in the Suicide Squad. the Just the the nasty undermining Waller. <laughs>
2: Yeah. The, the not so altruistic. She's not like, mm-hmm. uh, you know,
3: she's just, she, you she's scratch my just back, I'll scratch leader. yours. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> you she's talking to you that way. <laughs> pretty underhanded. Um, she, I mean, I think I just heard that she was the, she just is a recent, uh, winner of the, all four of the main awards. That yeah. She's she got. the EGOT. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to me, DC understands that. Look, we got Viola Davis, and we need to hang on to her. She's going to bring in some viewers that uh, we might not get otherwise, and she's a strong female lead. Uh, and just we we know just how good of an actress or actor that Viola Davis is. So, and she's it's like she's she's dipped her toes into just about every part of the DC universe too.
0: All right, so next up, we got the first live action movie uh, and they are going, bringing in one of the big guns here, but mm-hmm. not in the traditional way. We've got Superman legacy. Uh, and did they give a time? Did they They actually, oh, July of 2025. So we're two years at over two years out for the first movie that mm-hmm. is part
1: of this, you know, part of this release. And where they say, so they say in so many words in this interview that uh the reboot will happen with their first big project. And then they also refer to Superman Legacy as their first big project. So the the whatever you want to the chapter one begins with Superman Legacy. So that as as far as the words, and I don't feel like they're gonna use their words. Those words were so specific that it's like mm-hmm. that's gotta be that's gotta mean something. So whatever happens pre-legacy is up for grabs, which is, it's interesting because I'm a, like, I want my, I want my, my chapters to begin and end, you know, right. So <laughs> with Waller being part of this and Waller being in between seasons one and season two of Peacemaker and being existing in the suicide squad movies, it's like, okay, so suicide squad does or does not exist in this right. timeline. And it sounds like they get to kind of pick and choose. And I, I that's probably the only kind of beef through this for me is like, I want I want a, a clean start and a clean stop because mm-hmm. as soon as you allow uh Margot Robbie to be Harley Quinn in that then mm-hmm. there's a lot of other movies that become canon based on the actor but I guess you can't think by actor you got to think by timeline I guess. Yeah. Who knows. So, yeah. It's a little muddy though, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. anything else
0: to add on Superman?
2: Uh let me let me throw in a couple things. Uh yep. From what I understand, this is this is meant to be not an origin. It's meant to be him sort of like what we just reviewed, the Mm -hmm. Superman for all seasons. You know, Mm -hmm. he's just coming of age. Um, He's learning just how, you know, his how his normal his belief system doesn't necessarily line up with the the world. And he's trying to balance his Kryptonian heritage um, with with all of that and you know it's 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 i think that would be an interesting and good way to put it um or to you know to put it out um i had a second thing but i totally forgot what it was you know it would oh i think i know what it was the you know the image here of frank whiteley uh and grant morrison's all-star superman Superman. Mm -hmm. if i remember that wasn't really an early in his career type of story so actually
0: it leads to the end of his career right yeah right
2: so (laughs) anyway um but the other thing is, OK, this is if this is the launching point, it's OK. It, it's if it's the launch, it's going to be as soon as it launches, everything's going to be rapid fire after that, because they can't wait yeah. to develop everything else after this. After this movie, it's
1: it's it's two movies and two series a year is there, is their timeline.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So and it, I mean, it's Superman. It's you, you almost he's the heart of the DC mm-hmm. universe. It has to really start with him.
1: I'm excited for it. If they do it right, I mean, I I I want I want a Superman movie. I will like. Um, I wasn't a big Man of Steel fan. Um, so
0: you're just wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was just it was for lack of a better word, it was just so dark. I, I would I I want something a little a little brighter. I want a, a I want a bright <laughs> suit. I want a bright red and blue suit. Most yeah yeah. yeah.
0: I understand that the disaster porn argument of Man of Steel, yes. but
1: uh, but uh,
0: yeah, I also like the quote-unquote realistic take yeah yeah for sure yeah but so next up we have lanterns which is being described as what a true detective mystery type story with two (laughs) green lanterns those two green lanterns being john stewart and hal jordan this is also going to be an hbo max uh
1: series so like we've been threatened this for like a decade so i'm excited for it to finally happen it's like there's always been a green lantern tv show buddy cop that was on the rise and it just never happened. So if this happens, I'm excited for this. Well,
0: I'd never heard it being described as a buddy cop show. They kind of basically scrapped what they were originally going to do with this Green Lantern series and went to the buddy cop is how I understood it. Mm, maybe oh, that's yeah. maybe that's how I may I'm misinterpreting something. So. Yeah,
3: yeah, uh, I don't I, remember, I
0: remember
2: either.
1: But anyway, OK,
0: so. I guess the one thing to say about it is based on some of these announcements, I guess I'm keeping my HBO max subscription going for a while,
1: or at least you yeah. take a break for a couple of years and then yeah, in 2025, yeah. <laughs> take Maybe it back, back on. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> this one was a surprise announcement to me. The authority yeah. live action movie. Uh, Cause this is, this is not an, a DC original property, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. I mean, this is, so I don't know if they're trying to throw Jim Lee a bone. Cause if I remember right, this is a Jim Lee cr- creation mm-hmm. is it not so yeah. there yeah so it comes out of wild storm and they are morally gray characters as how they uh, like to describe them uh, but yeah I, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised uh, were surprised i think by this by this announcement what about you guys
2: this this is the this will appease the the snyder fans the ones that <laughs> aren't going to get yeah. there this is the i mean you know, a fictional universe should be as diverse as the real world. So this shows that it's not, you know, the DC universe isn't going to be all, all like Superman or all like the, yeah. you know, uh, Amanda Waller or Green Lantern. You're going to have uh, teams or, you know, ch- characters that are morally ambiguous. And I can't think of a better team to really represent that. And plus, it's I like the idea they're going out on a limb. Mm-hmm. These are not familiar I mean, no more familiar than what the Guardians of, Guardians the, Galaxy of the Galaxy were.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that, and, that's what I, I thought. It, yeah. it definitely seemed like the most James Gunn uh, oh,
3: choice. Sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, now in the DC comics, you know, we had the Superman and the Authority miniseries. And then oh. a lot of those members joined up with Superman on that War of War of uh, War, the War, 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 World, War <laughs> World saga or whatever. And that's the most I'd ever read of Midnighter and Apollo mm-hmm. and in Manchester Black. I knew about them. I knew of these characters, but, you know, it's. Uh, these are characters that have a lot of potential, and I, I think it'll be great to see them on a big screen.
0: I'm going to guess here's my prediction that in this movie, a large portion of these characters will be dead by the end. I'm just going <laughs> to sure. predict it. I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to yeah. say it right now. So, (laughs) And speaking of a series that's going to end up in a lot of dead characters by the end, uh, Paradise Lost. This is also going to be an HBO Max series. And if they're describing it as a Game of Thrones type story, uh, that tells you a lot that you need to know. This is obviously going to take place before uh, Wonder Woman. So it's going to go back in a DC history. And it it looks like it's also going to be prior to the Mascara becoming solely... A, uh, a society for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I don't know, Game of Thrones style, I, I don't know. They're definitely the yeah. more adult tone to yeah, some of this, these yeah.
2: items. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's something else I'd noted or thought about is that they, they've they got, they're running the gamut on movie ratings here from PG, mm-hmm. PG-13 to potentially R. Um, mm mm-hmm. And this would be if it's if they're using Game of Thrones as a descriptor, it's obviously going to be full of violence and maybe even, you know, just sex and whatever else. But it's 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 it sounds like if they well, it's, it's it's one thing to put this forward with this promotion, but then to actually do that. That's that that'll be impressive if they can. Shad, anything
0: to add on that no Nope, one? I think oh. that, yeah. All right. Next up, we got Brave and the Bold. And this is actually a character I've been waiting to see. So this is a live-action mm-hmm. movie. Oddly titled, I think, for the characters who are they're focusing on here, which is, of course, Damian Wayne. I would, you know, Dave, Brave and the Bold means Batman and somebody, or Green Lantern yeah. and somebody to me. Um, but we get to focus on Damian Wayne Robin, which I think is a very interesting character. Uh, I, I like the tie-in to you know, Batman's history and Batman's past and Ra's Ghoul Ghul and Talia al Ghul. So we'll see how much of that they actually bring in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, I think this is like maybe other than the Superman movie, the one that's the best fit for what I would expect out of a DC, these DC projects moving forward.
2: To me, to me, you haven't Damian Wayne is the, the humanizing factor for Batman. I mean, A lot of people that don't read the comics that just only know only know Batman from the movies or TV or whatever, they think of him as just the Dark Knight detective. You know, he fights crime, but this him having a kid because of a dalliance with, you know, uh, one of his greatest villains, daughter that that's like, oh, I mean, I was just describing this all to my wife. You know, she's my sounding board and she's like. Ah, he's got a kid yeah yeah he really does so it's um i think this is going to draw some attention and i'm probably as excited for this as anything um but i'm pretty excited about all of it so
3: (laughs) yeah
1: chad we haven't had um a, a live action we've only had one live action robin uh yeah. in like Jerry the Corny. last 30 years right chris oh. uh with chris o'donnell, chris O'Donnell, O'Donnell. yeah yeah <laughs> with the bat <laughs> <And naples. laughs> we've never had a kid uh live action uh robin uh so i'm super pumped for that and they also promised more of the bat family so and i think if i remember it right, in Gunn's little presentation he's like we have failed to give you more than just batman in a batman movie all this time so like We're going to give you more of the Bat family. it's like, oh, finally, that'll be really cool to see all of them, or at least more of them, I guess. So next is the one thing,
0: Mike, that I think you probably are potentially more excited about than anything else on this list. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Booster Gold live action HBO Max series Mike, (laughs) go.
2: You know, they used to, uh, they they used to, I think even, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name to play Peacemaker? John, uh, John, John Cena. Cena, he described the character of Peacemaker as a douchey Captain America. OK, that's true. But I don't know that he can't be outdone by Booster Gold in in, <laughs> in that in that way, except it's not patriotism or anything like that. It's it's what they describe him as is a superhero's imposter. He's he's the guy that's he really did it all for himself And yet he ends up being a hero in the end. So seeing that character growth, I think will be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, you don't there. I mean, from the eighties forward, there aren't a ton of new characters that have maintained that level of popularity. And uh, I think it's the right choice for them to uh, put him, especially in a TV series. I think it'll be great.
0: I, I don't know. I think booster gold does not have a super high level of popularity. Um, but, and I think a lot of people, you know, he, he's kind of like the, also the other guy, you know, he's not very, so he's not going to carry a title on his own. No, no. like lots of other characters can, um, he's kind of best known for the team up with blue beetle, blue and gold, you know, but, uh, that again, it's, they're taking a risk on a character. That's not as mainstream, not one of the big, you know, five Mm -hmm. or seven, you know, that, that DC has. So.
2: Yeah, and by popularity, I think I mean more in the he he has had his own title a few times, and he, mm-hmm. they weren't just two; or – they weren't like five issues and canceled. Yeah. So, and the whole premise, I think, people can get on board with, yeah. you know. Yeah.
1: And we are setting up. I mean, with the the Blue Beetle movie technically being yeah. prior to the re- the restart. They have the choice to pull that into canon, even though I know that's not the the blue beetle that is normally teaming up with Booster Gold. <laughs> we do have the ability to get a blue and gold team up with this series. Uh, I can, with, see,
2: yeah, I can see Ted Cord appearing in the Jaime Reyes blue yeah. beetle movie that's coming. Was it late this year or next year?
1: Uh nah, it's late this year, August eighteenth,
2: twenty twenty three. So. Uh, I could see, and I think in the comics, I haven't read a single one of them, but I think Ted Cord's more of like a mentor to him mm-hmm. in that. But I could yeah. see even a mention of of Michael Carter or Booster Gold mm-hmm. in in that in that and uh, movie. You know that some of these movies that are still on the slate, you know, everything from Shazam to Flash, which is supposed to be like the this is the reboot mm-hmm. movie uh, to Aquaman and My Face the
0: Flashpoint.
2: Oh yeah, they, <laughs> but. You know, you know that they're making they're they're plugging in different scenes, maybe deleting a few things just mm-hmm. to adjust to this new plan.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up, we got another live action movie, uh, which we just reviewed. Right. Supergirl mm-hmm. uh, Woman of Tomorrow, that series from Tom King. Now, just because they're taking the title doesn't mean necessarily they're going to follow along strictly uh, with that particular storyline. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we're getting more than just Superman. We're gonna start the Superman family here uh in the movies live action film with Supergirl.
2: Do you think oh. they'll stick with Supergirl or <laughs> will' it become Superwoman?
1: I think they'll stick with Supergirl
2: I think so too. I think that I think has more
1: yeah. is is I've seen Tom King's name thrown around as in being part of yeah James Gunn's staff as like oh. part of this like part of this mind trust of of people that he's got in his inner circle even.
2: Oh, I bet he is. I I have heard the same thing. In fact I've heard the same thing about Grant Morrison too. Okay. Um when it comes to the Batman or the Brave and the Bold. Yeah. Um I think honestly uh, guys, I think really uh Gun and Saffron listened to our episode where we <laughs> this, and then they read the book. And then they said yes. yes. Let's just green light it. Um but it's pretty grat- <laughs> it's pretty gratifying to know that we all I think thought, well, I don't remember exactly what everybody thought. I know what I thought, but we liked it yeah. yes, it was just <laughs> one of the best books I've read in a long time, and I think this is where you'll see lobo if if we see a um Jason Momoa Lobo, it might be in this movie. Well,
0: surely he can be a better lobo than he was in Aquaman. That's all I can say. I he bet can he can be a
1: perfect lobo. Yeah. I think he could,
0: yes. <laughs> he doesn't have to he can actually keep that same personality and be Lobo. I'd, I'd rather <laughs> see him as
2: lobo than aquaman. Yes, I really and I, would.
0: I would I'm good there. So and then the last thing on this list, live action movie, another surprise to me, Swamp Thing. Yeah. Yes. They're gonna bust out the rubber suit from the from the
1: 70s or from the 80s. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: wow, I feel sorry for the actors got to wear it, but
3: yeah,
1: they they've uh, early yeah. early conversation. I guess James Mangold is uh, potentially directing on this. Okay, mm. uh, is has been the name that's floated around. I had heard so
0: no release I, date on this, but this is going to lean more we hope to the horror side of things. Yeah, so a little darker, oh, yeah. yeah, a yes. little darker story.
2: I mean, with DC's got a pretty rich horror um history and we've seen some of that with the sandman netflix series um and then all the material that comes in with grant um alan moore's swamp Mm -hmm. thing i mean the ideas that he put forth there it's just ripe for the picking uh i didn't really anticipate this either and i can't say i'm the hugest swamp thing fan but i think it will um yeah i'd be interesting to see where it goes and mm-hmm. it's uh in what order it comes in too and mo- mostly to see where it introduces other other characters because right. i always thought that was a good part of kind of like sandman mm-hmm. introducing the dc characters
1: yeah because i guess the the way that these are listed isn't necessarily any has any kind of reflection mm-hmm. on release date or timeline at all whatsoever
0: only a few of them have approximate dates on them in this, in this initial announcement. So,
2: and that's all tentative. They said yeah, it, it, yeah. it can change, so, but
1: all right. So big question, Chad, which of these are you most looking forward to? Supergirl.
0: Supergirl.
1: Uh, yeah. Hands down. I mean, the way that it looked, it was so cool with the, the art, uh, who's that, uh, Bill Quist, uh, is that who the artist Evelyn. was? Evelyn. Yeah. 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 Uh, that I'm I'm excited to see what that vision looks like on the screen, for sure. Yeah,
0: I think that, that's... Uh,
1: oh, never mind. I'm going someplace different. All right. Mike,
0: what about you? What are you looking forward to the most?
2: Well, I think my default would have been Supergirl, uh-huh. um, but I'm going to say The Authority, oh, because okay. I think it's going to be bringing something... Well, it's unex, unexpected, of course, but I think there's really good characters on that team, and it's a team movie. And I like teams, so. But man, it's 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 hard to pick from. There's no, <laughs> yeah. there's none I would be just totally disappointed in. But yeah, I have to say that.
0: Uh, well, I'm gonna go with Brave and the Bold because I'm interested to see Damian Wayne on the on the screen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. i I'm I think that's the one that I'm gonna that's the one that I'm gonna pick. So. <laughs> All right, so, okay, one more big question for you guys. Which D, which universe are you now more excited about for the future, Marvel or
1: DC?
2: Chad, you better go first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, DC, for sure. I mean, I'm always a DC guy first, so if there's a plan for DC, I'm going to root for DC.
2: Well, you, you kind of just said exactly what I was. I'm always a DC guy first because that's what I kind of cut my teeth on. But I'm also like one of those I always root for the underdog. Um, I mean, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan for crying out loud. So (laughs) Um, it's it's not just that though. It's because I feel like for the first time in a long time, there's something really to look forward to. And it's not this is not everything's relative. Nothing. This does not at all uh, diminish the accomplishments of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because they have been immense if anything else this sets the bar at a level where we as the consumers are expecting something better than than what we've gotten mm-hmm. from DC all these years so it's it's i mean marvels hit its peak and now it's got to figure out how to just at least maintain its plateau you know of mm-hmm. of, of of decent stuff yeah
0: yeah dc has no place to go really but up
2: <laughs> no, yeah i mean that's that's
0: well, I'm I'm going to stick with Marvel because I would actually like to have seen DC kind of build around some of their marquee characters as opposed to some of their lesser known characters. So we don't have a whole lot of, you know, there's not any Wonder Woman, really. We, we only have a little bit of Batman. We're kind of a off to the side Superman story. So I'm still in the Marvel camp, but, uh, you know, I'll reverse what you guys said. I'm a Marvel guy, though. So Mm -hmm. um, and the Marvel guys have been slipping. Our Marvel movies have been slipping a little bit because of the focus on comedy over, you know, you know, action and storytelling. However, I'm looking at this slate of D.C. stuff and thinking, man, they're going way too far to the to the mature, not for kids side of Mm -hmm. this Which is not going to do anything to improve comic books, you know, purchases in stores or anything like that. Getting young people in to read comics because they're – you know, Marvel hasn't had any R-rated, you know, movies yet. this – we're probably looking at several R's on some of these projects and strong TV matures on some of the the TV projects. So
2: I would say only – I mean I think maybe only a couple of R's at the most. But I I see – Ba- the brave and the bold is being the one where the because not it doesn't there's a lot of room in between mm-hmm. the the saccharine sweet you know funny whatever and the dark dark darky dark mm-hmm. so i think that we there's got to be some movement in between mm-hmm. there yeah. hopefully it's not going to be one extreme or the other right
0: well want see to me like warner brothers has this thing okay pocket like, like the most recent well not the most recent but like the Batman they literally added one f bomb to the movie to make it PG-13 because they didn't want to release a PG movie yeah you know i mean and i i hate it whenever companies and directors do that because they think oh a PG rating is not a serious film or yeah. a PG is not gonna not gonna get us to the dollar point that we want right so decisions like that take precedent over the value of the story or, or providing it to a wider Mm -hmm. audience, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All right. Anything else to say about this so we can, or before
1: we move on? Well, my favorite announcement was that we finally acknowledged Elseworlds and said that Mm -hmm. Joker and Batman, the Batman are both in an Elseworlds type scenario and that they'll continue to be in that scenario. And, uh, and that they will choose as, Not as they as they have time to focus on other storylines in the future, if it's really good and isn't within the same world, they will acknowledge Elseworld titles. And I thought that was really cool because I mean that's what we've kind of been saying this whole time, anyways, is like Joker's an Elseworld story. And so they Mm -hmm. actually acknowledging that and calling it what it is, it was like, okay, good. That's what I was hoping for.
2: Yep, I agree. All
0: right. Well, let's move on to truth. Red, white, and black, all right? And uh, this is a series that kind of gives a uh, an origin to the other Captain America. And this time that Captain America is not Steve Rogers, but rather um, Isaiah Bradley and amongst a you know, a group of other uh, characters as well. And uh, I was trying to get trying to get to page one here so I can uh, go over the credits for this, right? So this is ugh, wrong page. Sorry. <laughs> Come on. The iPad is not cooperating with me at the moment. So somebody have page one up. Uh, on.
1: it's written by Robert Morales. Thank you. And artist is Kyle Baker with lettering by JG and Comicraft Wes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I don't see a color. Maybe Kyle Baker does his own coloring, perhaps. Uh probably cuz he's listed just as artist not
0: as pencil yeah, or inker or anything correct. like that so he's probably doing the doing the full the full thing. So all right, so this is a 7 issue series and uh, I think uh Shad you're going to give us the rundown for the first 3. I guess just yep. pause between in case there's anything we want to say on each of these episode, or each of these issues.
1: You got it. The pause will work cuz I'll have to get to the next one. There you go. Give, <laughs> time, give you some time to get there. Yeah. That's right. All right, issue 1. Toward the end of the Towards the end of the Great Depression, teen newlyweds Isaiah and Faith Bradley attend Negro Week at 1940's New York's World Fair, where they learn the future for colored Americans may not be quite as bright as the hype. In Philadelphia, black communist Maurice Canfield confronts his mother about his twin passions, distinguishing himself from his father's wealth and establishing social equality in the white man's world and in a Cleveland pool hall, lifelong soldier Sergeant Lucas Evans explains to an old pal, Dallas Huxley, how he was busted in rank over a racially motivated incident with a Caucasian superior officer. The Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor forever alters their fate. Sergeant Evans, drowning in his sorrows in booze and staring down the barrel of his own gun, discovers a renewed sense of purpose. Maurice found guilty and protesting, um, for protesting America's entry into World War II, learns that the clout behind his family name grants him the choice between a lengthy prison sentence and military enlistment, and Isaiah, now an army private heading off to basic training, promises to return to a very pregnant faith.
0: All right, so I guess the first thing I want to comment on is like the art. The art is very cartoony, you know, it, it's a very, it's, yes. it's, I don't know. I always use this the same term for things that I don't really know how to describe as very stylized. I always call it very stylized. <laughs> so this is, this is very stylized. I, um, I, there are points where the art, like sometimes it's like really, really good. And then sometimes it's not yes. so good. And I don't know if it's, I, I don't know what it is, but it just, uh, it, it bounces around quite a bit. The art Loose is though. the term I use. Okay. It's, there it's you very go. Loose. That's, that's a good sure. term. Yeah. Now. With regards to the artwork, the thing that bothers me maybe most, especially about this issue, is what is that supposed to be on the side of Lucas Evans' head?
3: <laughs> I don't I, know. I, okay. I think it's
2: a birthmark.
3: you think it's a um, birthmark, or yeah. is it
1: like a wound? I thought it was like, like a war wound. Was
3: what oh, I was assuming. Oh,
2: it could assuming. be. But you know, well, is
1: it
0: like true. that little the scar tissue? Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown hair?
2: Oh <laughs> no, no. I, I think it's you know, I, I you now that you say it, it could be a a wound, I think that has to be it. Yeah, because they got that line scar that tissue. Depend, yeah, some people yeah. have. Yeah, some people the scar tissue builds up more, and right. um, and I, I that that's because he was in World War One. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's very possible, and not just a birthmark.
0: Okay, All right. that just it is that bothered me because it's like <laughs> so unclear of
2: what that is supposed to be. Yeah, you know? because of the art's that loose, mm-hmm. like Shad said, and yeah
1: but the action was a little hard to follow with that art sometimes too. Like when it, when it would get a little loose like that, I found out my, myself having a hard time, like kind of figuring out what exactly was going on. I liked Mm -hmm. it at times. It's not like I didn't like Mm -hmm. it, but uh, I think it's the first time that I've maybe read something with Kyle Baker art on it. Um, But I was like, I I don't know if this story was the best fit for uh, his artwork. Maybe.
2: Maybe not. He's, He's the one that did Plastic Man. Didn't he do that mm-hmm. series? Yeah. Roden and Druid? I,
1: that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was looking up because I was like, I don't think I've seen this guy's work before. But it was kind of Ren and Stimpy-ish it reminded me of if I had, had to pick somebody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I saw Plastic Man was one of his big credits. Well,
2: what Scott said about uh, stylized is his go-to descriptor. For the art, that's exactly what I wrote. I think what I said here was, it seems like I've used the phrase "historically accurate and stylized art" a lot lately, and this book is both of the, those things, and and not not just your everyday accurate, like hitting the right years. This this Robert Morales, I mean, if in that back part of the book, the the back matter, uh-huh. that is that's my favorite part of the book. I think is that seeing how he all the research he did. And the art, it's it's yeah, I I agree that um, at first it was like ah, I don't know, it's kind of off putting, but it's I think it told the story well enough that I really was on board with it pretty quickly.
0: And I think some of this is, you know, this is this is a story of that represents. In the Marvel Universe, some of the terrible things that happened to Black Americans at times throughout our history. Mm-hmm. And while this specific event is not true, there were lots of similar yeah. events that yeah. that were true. And they they'll hit on, you know, some of those things as we as we work through the story. But mm-hmm. one thing that I think is interesting, you know, okay, so if you go back and you read early issues of the Spirit, right? For example, you have this very I'll just go and say offensive caricature of like a black sidekick in those spirit books. So now we're getting these, this basically black created uh, properties where we get the very, the very caricature of like a white, you know, the carnival barker there in this (laughs) first issue. And then this we'll meet private merit later on. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, this, you know, caricature of the white guy. So I think it's, it's, I like it, you know, um, and obviously, it's uh, it's fair game. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you know? yeah. But you kind of see that that turnaround. Uh, that's true. This.
2: That's true. I hadn't thought of it like that because the Barker's the first one you see like mm-hmm. that, and then, like you said, uh, Lieutenant Merritt, he's just a yeah, he's horrible. A yeah, au- <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. He's like really the worst. You know, really the most blatantly racist and obnoxious. Yeah, and this. Is, yeah. Yeah. But this is, this is a, you know, story about what happened in, in Marvel's history with black creators doing the work behind of uh, yeah. this book. And it, it needs to be recognized for that. If for no other reason, but.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Oh, no, let me, let me throw two comments yeah. in there. I was just kind of piggybacking on Scott's earlier, but one thing I liked is that this Negro week was, a real thing in the 1939-1940 World's Fair. I didn't know that. And that that sculpture that Isaiah and Faith Bradley posed in front of the, uh, looking it up online, that it was called, it was uh, Augusta Savage was the sculptor and it was called Lift Every Voice and Sing. 16 feet tall and a symbol of African-American music. And it was actually destroyed after the fair. It was just made of plaster. Yeah, it was just like, it was just a proper, so you don't find a whole lot of, it's not like you can get some new photos of it, but I thought it was really neat. And just the idea of them inserting that to give that historical reference, I thought was awesome. Um, And the one thing I didn't understand though, is you had that peep show hawker Mm -hmm. that was advertising for people to come in Mm -hmm. to the peep show, but then they wouldn't allow a black couple in, but weren't all of the attendees (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i i okay so when i read that i think they implied that they crossed into a different area of the fair and when they did it's almost oh. like the rules kind of changed Mm-mm. you know so maybe there was a I, and i they don't say it outright and they're it, it i kind of the first time reading it i felt that way too it's like well it's 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 i think everybody a the week yeah everybody is but I I think if you actually look at the crowd, then you see that it's not. And I think that maybe they moved outside of the fairgrounds or one area or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. But yeah, that that was, I think, and I think that point was there just to kind of bring the issue to the forefront. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. right. Because I did, I actually read through this three different times before we recorded. So I feel pretty good
1: about the story. (laughs) Well versed. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> yes. All right. Two, issue two. All right. It's May 1942. Early in America's entry into World War II, assigned to Sergeant Lucas Evans' unit at Camp Cath- Cathcart, Mississippi, new privates Isaiah Bradley and Maurice Canfield joined fellow Black Dog Faces Dave Plum, Jack Harvey, Jefferson J.J. J. Jameson, and sociopath Damon Larson in digging lantern- latrines for the war effort. The camp commander, Major Brackett, receives an official visit from Washington attache Homer Tully and Dr. Josef Reinstein, a German psychiatrist and surgeon. The two men requisition several Negro soldiers for an experimental army project, then express the government's concern that other blacks on the base may pose a security threat. Negroes have their own secret means for spreading news by word of mouth, explains Tully. Among themselves, it's called the Black Vine. Consequently, Brackett orders a night training exercise for late that same day. When the men are assembled, the Major is suddenly approached by an officer he's never before seen, but who is nonetheless familiar to the present Tully and Reinstein, Colonel Walker Price from military intelligence. Price hands over papers revealing the major of his command and shutting down the camp. When the incredulous bracket protests, Price informs him that the camp Cathcart was always a covert operation and publicly executes him. Price then gives his aide camp, Lieutenant Philip Merritt, orders to tidy up after him. Lucas and his men are stunned even as they're randomly chosen by Merritt and hero herded. <laughs> Herded into uh, waiting transport trucks, as the trucks speed off, Lucas and his unit hear the distant gunfire of the massacre at Camp Cathcart.
0: I don't have a whole lot to add on this issue, um, though I don't I don't think that uh, Philip Merritt, given his stature and appearance, would have actually risen to the rank that he had in like a real army.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably not. I want to comment on, I mean, I don't have a whole lot either on this issue other than it was, this is when you knew, Oh, wow. This is, this is some real stuff here. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had some bad things happen. Um, when major Brackett was killed by Colonel price, I was like, wow. Right. um, And then the hint of just the overall massacre just to preserve and the secrecy of the project uh, to those 10 soldiers that they were using. Um, And then the double V campaign, I looked that up, too. That's that was something that was actually uh, you see it on the cover of the first issue. It's a tattoo on Isaiah, but it's also in a later on. There's a pamphlet that one of the characters is reading but it's uh, it's victory abroad and victory at home, which was a real thing that was kind of the tagline for uh, the NAACP and uh, a black newspaper to kind of bring um, the social injustices and ra- and racism to uh, you know to light. So I thought that was kind of an, just one of many many um, good historical tidbits.
0: Let alone just the idea of the the segregated army, you know, where you Mm -hmm. had the the black army camp and the white army camp, you know,
2: Mm -hmm. segregated blood, even like we get into that later, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: You mean the blood of a black person is the same as the blood of a white person? (laughs) Yeah. We can't let people people know that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, give me a thousand units of white blood.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anything else for two? No, no. All right, three. All right, issue three. It's June 1942, and it, and a secreted U.S. military installation, the Super Soldier Project, is in full gear. Sergeant Lucas Evans's unit undergoes a horrific series of clinical tests at the hands of Doctor Josef Reinstein, whose accelerated wartime trials and errors cut down the surviving black dog faces from the camp Catherd uh, like wheat before a scythe. The prototype super serum has violently unpredictable results. The lovable Jefferson J.J. Jameson spontaneously combusts from overdosage, and as fate would have it, the sociopath Damon Larson is the first of Sarge's men to successfully endure the procedure. Evans and the rest follow suit, all becoming super soldiers. Meanwhile, the families of the men have received official letters of condolences from the Army, ascribing the loss of their loved ones to an accidental explosion. The news results in varying expressions of grief. In Cleveland, the Sarge's buddies remember him with drunken toasts. Maurice Canfield's wealthy Philadelphia parents bury what they believe to be their son's remains and die in a murder-suicide soon thereafter. And back in the Bronx, the morning Faith Bradley— has a shock when she insists on opening her husband's casket. The test concluded, Colonel Walker Price informs Doctor Reinst- Reinstein that the entire outfit is moving on to its next operational phase in Europe, where the Germans have their mirror of have their mirror of the project in full swing. The doctor protests the decision as premature. While held in steerage on their transatlantic journey to war, Evans tells his newly augmented men a harrowing story about his participation in national race riots on the heels of world war one and jack harvey one of his soldiers dies with a feverish vision of african slaves during the middle passage evidence the serum might yet need perfecting
0: yeah red summer is what that uh, those race riots were referred to and that once again is Mm -hmm. something that actually happened you know and yeah uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, that's something that you know. It's kind of like whenever I saw Watchmen, the TV series for the first mm-hmm. time. It's like you know the, yeah, the the Tulsa. the, the, events, the Tulka, Tulsa event. Well, I had to go look this up as well and and find out what was going on there. And it's just like Edis, you, you shake your head at our country's history from time to time. Some things that just ha- aren't talked about or just aren't. I mean, you can't know everything about history, but by gosh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of pieces that yeah. that you really should. It's uh, takes some time to learn about, so it, I'm I'm embarrassed. It, I'm this old and just not hearing about it. So
2: yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's the word I was going to use. Is that it's it's kind of embarrassing that we we were we came, all came up. Well, Scott and I came up a little bit earlier than than uh, <laughs> you did, Shad. But I mean, there are things in history that I would think warrant at least a a page or two, and right. and Tulsa is one of them. The Red Summer is also another one. I was mm-hmm. completely oblivious to. Yeah, I'll but tell you they didn't. Yeah. They didn't
1: change the teaching from yours to mine. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't
2: <laughs> yeah. learn about so this so that that that's that's a little bit disappointing. But I think maybe that things are turning around a little bit. I this issue has the closest likeness, I think, when you're comparing it's the storyline to the Tuskegee study or the mm-hmm. experiments on you know on um, African American men in, injecting them with um, the venereal disease, uh, syphilis and then not then just kind of leaving them off it it just i mean i know that was part of the inspiration for this and it was about the same timeline but what i didn't know is that holy cow i mean it started in the 30s but it really didn't end until like 1972 Mm -hmm. yeah yes um i thought it was really wrenching to see heart-wrenching to see the families notified of their loved Mm -hmm. one's death when they really weren't dead at least not yet and I we're we're a non-explicit podcast so I can't say what that lieutenant um what my description for him was other than he was a jerk <laughs> 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 um and it's kind of notable that out of the 10 men that were injected with the experimental su- experimental super serum five of them died right away mm-hmm. you know so um,
0: a high success yeah. rate
2: so no no and that's that's even more horrifying, uh, horrifying is that they kind of knew, well, we don't know what's gonna happen. Let's just let pick these black guys to to try it on.
1: And, and this is me just having a hard time with timelines on this. Captain America already happened, yes or no? It okay, did they, okay, they, okay that's they, I'll let Scott speak to you. Well yeah. they actually
2: I
0: think deliberately leave that very vague. Okay. Alrighty. Okay. Now I went into this thinking that for certain Steve Rogers was first. Isaiah Bradley was second. Right. They do a good job in not providing very specific dates in this where it could go either way. I do, however, still think that in the Marvel 616 universe that Steve Rogers was first and that this was their attempt to recreate the super soldier. Because it wasn't Reinstein. It was Erskine, mm-hmm. R S K I N, who was then killed whenever Rogers got injected. And then yeah. both sides are trying to ex- expand their super soldier serum. And it's a race to and to, to do the experiments because they're basically because they lost the guy who had it. Yeah. I'd have to do the mass experimentation again. And then this is the group of soldiers that they yeah. they went and on that... trying to recreate a super soldier serum.
1: That kind of seemed to be the way, and I know we're kind of getting ahead of the, the end of it all and how that reveals. But, you know, we were talking about just the experimenting and, and not a high success rate is, well, they had a successful one already. Or did they in this timeline?
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but I I that's how I understood it, is that Steve Rogers came before and it makes sense that that doctor died mm-hmm. in that timeline. And so this would be trying to figure out how to recreate the success of the Captain America program.
0: Yeah. And then that's one of when we and jumping ahead to like issue seven, one of the things they talk about is the Germans and the U in the U.S. were working together until Hitler kind of, you know, messes things up. Yeah. But I mean, if there hadn't been everything militarily going on in in Europe, they might have continued to work together for an indefinite amount of time
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, on on these various programs. And in a sense, the U.S. got, quote unquote, lucky whatever they did the split that Reinstein who was German decided to stay with the U S and then mm-hmm. move the super soldier program forward. So, yeah,
2: I read somewhere and I, I thought I wrote it down here as reference, but I, I, I can't find it, but I think the original intent was to make this story outside of the Marvel continuity. And then the decision was to put it in. So that created the nest nece- made it necessary to build that backstory or, or I see. to show why you know who came first and 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 why so
0: and then another another thing is is that in some marvel universes isaiah bradley is the first captain america
3: okay but in
0: 616 which is the main Mm -hmm. marvel universe i I still feel pretty confident steve rogers is first captain America. yeah yeah
2: all right uh mike issue four issue four the cut in July 1942, the super soldiers have halted a convoy in Germany's Black Forest, but they are dismayed to discover that they have succeeded only in stopping medical supplies from Coke ph- pharmaceuticals. Two months later, in central Port- Portugal, only three soldiers remain, Bradley, Canfield, and Evans. The trio-, trio are discussing the uncanny parallels between comic book hero Captain America and their serum treatments when Merrick goads Canfield into a fight. While trying to restrain Canfield, both Evans and Canfield are killed and Bradley is injured. Price tells Bradley his family's survival depends on the United States winning the war and then describes a suicide mission that Steve Rogers would have taken in Germany were he not delayed by weather in the Pacific Theater. And you'll all notice that my summary or synopsis was a lot shorter than Chad's, (laughs) but it's because I I got mine from Wikipedia. Sorry.
0: Oh, Uh, okay. You didn't just see the rest. Chad's been reading the uh, the summary from the and the upcoming the next issue. So, oh, okay. yeah, Yeah. to to back it up there. So but that's all right. So
1: it works anyway. We get the story across. So then Uh, it does state in there, I guess, that Steve Rogers is active simultaneously. Yes. Yeah. To. OK. So he's apparently been,
0: you know, and again, but it's still muddy because they've also been active for a while. Right. Yeah. And we know that Steve Rogers is at least recently active. So yeah. we really so they they again, I think they make it kind of unclear. And I think it's deliberate. You know, they don't just say black and white, you know, <laughs> no, yeah. no pun it's intended not... <laughs> there. Yeah. OK. Um that Steve Rogers was this date, and then this right. started on this date. So it's very one, much, yeah.
1: Isaiah's story and doesn't really whatever's outside of his window is not really talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Which ew, did they ever say why they were testing on black soldiers first? Was it because they were more indisposed? Dis- disposable
2: oh, eye- expendable? Yes. Yeah,
0: yes. I think I gotcha. Well, they didn't really their, say that, it's but it's experiments took place. You know, yeah. Yeah. yes, like, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so in in theory, we could believe that that Isaiah in this in this story at least is is first because he was ideally probably experimented on before a white ser- soldier would have been given any kind of successful could, and serum. That's,
0: that's why I think they make it kind of they have that that gray I area see. there. Yeah, so because you if you can, if go you go
2: by the story itself, I mean, Captain America first appeared in whatever month in 1940. This mm-hmm. story begins in 1941. So if they would have would have said this is outside of Marvel continuity, Mm -hmm. no big deal. This is another universe or whatever. Yeah. But they decided to integrate it, which is Mm -hmm. fine, too, because you still you get a great character to I mean, we've seen this character in the movies. Mm -hmm. But so so they had to kind of explain it that way. Makes sense. Okay.
0: yeah, because they even imply that up until like the first Captain America was actually a fictional character and that they. Made real, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> um, and then they, you know, they, in your thing, you don't point out that merit is actually the one I think it's implied that he kills um, Malcolm, though he takes a very brutal beating in the in the process. Um, yeah. And yeah, to to actually get that done. So
3: um,
0: and they right. also you, you mentioned that uh, the double V. You notice that on mm-hmm. Isaiah Bradley, on his yeah. shield that mm-hmm. he takes into battle, that double
2: V is yeah. etched into his shield. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do I need to go somewhere else to read a synopsis? I didn't. You uh, say you get
0: it? If you Well, if you want to go to the start of issue six, you can read that synopsis for issue five. But if you just want to use what you mm-hmm. have, that yeah, will work my, as well.
2: My My digital version doesn't have those next issue blurbs. Oh really? No, it's yeah. the, it's it's in the
0: it's in issue six at the the second page. It has the recap of what happened in the
2: previous Oh,
3: issue.
2: okay. Yeah. Well, it'll take too long. We don't want waiting. All mm-hmm. right, so issue uh, issue five, the math, and I think that's just a shortening of the aftermath. Uh, in October 1942, Bradley steals the Captain America suit and parachutes behind enemy lines in in Schwartz bit Germany, where he successfully completes the suicide mission to destroy a laboratory operated by Dr. Koch as a Nazi concentration camp. After killing Koch while seeking shelter from gunfire, he enters a gas chamber filled with women. The gas kills them but only weakens Bradley and he is captured. The story flashes forward to the present day and closes with Steve Rogers in conversation with a woman in a burqa who asks why Rogers thinks Bradley is dead.
0: and of course the you know the everybody in the concentration camp you know they have the numbers on their on their arms so mm-hmm. this is actually you know a jewish concentration camp yes um, yeah and again kind of p- placing this in you know in the real world you know and and things and things that actually happen so
2: yeah this is this was a more horrifying i mean just the idea, you know, Isaiah walking into the experiment uh, mm-hmm. on the Jews, um, it's pretty dark, mm-hmm. um, but real. Yep. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good issue for that reason, but man, it's tough to read.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The well,
0: uh, When you think about it too much, a lot of this, this particular
1: series is tough to read, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. it's heavy yeah. for
0: sure. That is for sure. So, yeah. I'm sorry. Can I go ahead?
1: No, you're okay. The him grabbing, like stealing the Captain America suit in this issue. Did that feel a little bit like out of nowhere, out of left field for anybody? Like that he was just all of a sudden breaking in, grabbed the Captain America suit, and now he's wearing it. Did that that feel a little off? It did. It didn't to me. Okay, because you know it was the
0: the suit was there waiting to be used. It was intended to go on this mission, you know, with with Steve Rogers. Yeah, so but he couldn't him, make it. Mm-hmm. But Steve got hung up in the Pacific, right? So he couldn't get there in time. Gotcha. They had to get this mission accomplished. So why not use what it was intended to be used for? So Plus, he was a fan. Of the comic book character because we, okay, see, we sat there and saw yeah. him reading you know reading yeah. the comic so i
1: yeah i, I, I just did, felt like i was like all okay i was like why didn't he just go on the mission without the suit was it <laughs> like in my head like what was the point of of doing that uh but but i guess it, it makes for the story to go well as well oh, yeah
0: and it makes for a very powerful final image of this story of the yeah. series is yes yeah. is what, what i think is even if it was out of character it it's worth it for the punchline yeah. yeah. Oh, so. All right. Issue six. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. OK, so it's the present. Steve Rogers is investigating the possession of a World War II era Captain America costume by a white supremacist leader held in federal custody. None other than the former Army Lieutenant Philip Merritt. After a few moments, Rogers uh, deducts Merritt's treasonous involvement in the assassination of Dr. Jophus Reinstein and the destruction of the super soldier project. Now a comic book retailer, Merritt, <laughs> Merritt identifies the cap costume as a rare collectible. It's the one Isaiah Bradley swiped for his suicide mission to the Nazi Nazi death camp Auschwitz. Who, says Rogers, confused, don't tell me you haven't heard of Isaiah Bradley, Damien Spinrad, a black FBI agent, President President Merritt's questioning, asked the astonished hero, the black Captain America. Back in October 1942, a captured Bradley was brought to the Berlin headquarters of Adolf Hitler. Hitler and Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda minister, tried to sway Isaiah into becoming their poster boy for Negro discontent in America. Why do your people fight for them? The Fuhrer wanted to know. Why do you fight when they deny you the glory of this other soldier? No sooner did Isaiah decline the offer to join the Nazis, my wife would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> than Hitler mm-hmm. and Goebbels decided to ship him off to the sinister Dr. Joseph Mangala in Auschwitz. However, as his transport to certain doom began early the next morning, members of the German resistance rescued the soldier. Um, I, this this idea of the Germans, and I'm trying to remember what I saw that it was in, but this is not the first time that I saw where where Germany was appealing to black American soldiers to basically— mm-hmm turn on their country because if Germany won, then they would be treated better than how they're currently being treated. I want to say it was actually in the black lightning TV series, but I I can't, I I can't swear to that, but yeah, but uh, that's where I think I remember. So this is now this predates that TV series, but I just thought it was an interesting point that they come back to. And I, and again, I think it's one of those things that's actually based in fact. So
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I like the um, back and forth in scenes between the interrogation of Merritt by Cap and the FBI agent that was black, but he was his his ancestors were German, so he's explaining (laughs) to racist Merritt that there were German Americans and they were, you know, was part of the German colonization of uh, uh, not Angola but the Namibia uh, that, you know, caused that. And so it, in 19, the 1940s in world war Two, the Germans, the Nazis were kind of on a fence about whether they could, you know, if, if they, they, they trusted or they, they had these German citizens, you know, from way back then, can we really say that they are a lesser race, uh, now? So I thought that was interesting as a, just, 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 Oh, boy. How do you say just juxtaposition. Yeah. Oh, juxtaposition, juxtaposition like, I'm of sorry. that. And then the you know, they've got Isaiah, you know, Hitler and Goebbels have Isaiah strapped down and they're having these conversations. And I have to say that the rendition of Goebbels, that guy's that he is a bad man. I mean, you can see the evil in that guy. Just so. So Baker did a great job with that. All
0: right. Issue seven. So final issue of the series, and it's weird for a series to be seven issues I just want uh-huh. to comment on. But uh, all right. So Steve Rogers confronts Colonel Walker Price. I'm not sure if he was still a colonel at this point, but I'm, that's how he's known through the series as Colonel Walker Price at Arlington National Cemetery and learns that the United States colluded with the Germans on the super soldier serum. When Hitler's hold took on Germany, the project split and Reinstein stuck with the United States and the race for the first super soldier was on. Price reveals many of the dirty details about the early days of the Super Soldier Serum and how he turned his military career into a position at Koch Industrial. Uh, Well, Steve Rogers, through his time in suspended animation, accumulated a massive amount in back pay, which he then used to buy stock options in Koch International, and plans to bring Price's war crimes to light using Philip Merritt as a witness against him. Rogers then proceeds to the Bronx, to the home of one Faith Bradley, wife of Isaiah Bradley. Here, Steve learns that Isaiah Bradley did survive his mission, but after the war was court-martialed for the theft of the Captain America uniform and spent Mm -hmm. 17 years in solitary confinement in Leavenworth. Uh, This time incarcerated and the effects of the serum left a heavy toll on Bradley. Bradley was, however, pardoned during the Eisenhower administration. As Faith checks in on Isaiah, Steve looks at a wall of photos of Bradley with celebrity after celebrity, including Richard Pryor, Muhammad Ali, Bono, and even Stan Lee. Uh, When Steve Rogers finally meets Isaiah Bradley, uh, the man with the mind of a child, Steve presents uh, Bradley the uh, remnants of the Captain America uniform after deeply apologizing to Isaiah Bradley for what he went through, and the two take another photo together for the wall inside the Bradley home. So and that's that iconic that excellent image that you get in that last uh last page of this issue with Steve Rogers standing next to Isaiah Bradley both yeah. in their respective uh Captain America uh uniforms.
2: Um Yeah. So we this is the issue that we learned that the super serum was discovered as the result of eugenics which mm-hmm. which was you know in the early 20th century was you know that um that belief that the weak, anybody that's weak, whether it be mentally or racially or whatever, that they arbitrarily decided that they would be um, not euthanized. What do you call well, it? When you're, sometimes it um, was euthanized. Sterilized. By sterilized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sterilized. Yeah, They're
0: mm-hmm. burden upon society. Yeah.
2: I'm yes, right. yes. So it was It connected that to this. Um, best part was seeing uh, Colonel Price go down. Um, he, he, you know, even at his age, it was nice to see him. Uh, as much as any Nazi war criminal, uh, it was nice mm-hmm. to see him go down.
0: Yeah, not. I mean, not a lot of action in the final issue, right? Mm-hmm, no. but
2: it does,
0: you know, wrap up the story. Yeah, very it wraps nicely. up nicely. Yeah. yeah, and this is a very, in my, you know, Captain America being my favorite character, right? Mm-hmm. This is a very authentic portrayal of Steve Rogers. Right. And how, mm-hmm. how you would think that he would respond in this type of situation. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, um, clearly they have a strong grasp on the character, you know, for, for this story. So it just, it's, it's, it's really impressive to me. Um, I just, I love how this story just ties into Captain America's history. You know, it gives that kind of at least parallel mm-hmm. to events mm-hmm. that are going on, uh, just really, really, really enjoyed that. So uh, do you guys have any final thoughts?
2: I mean, <laughs> other than saying it was just fantastic. I mean, <laughs> it was everything I expected, really, because hearing you talk about it and just knowing from the general, you know, just knowing about this story, um, it's it's uh, it was just really nice to read i think the only thing i really didn't like was the casada art on that first cover Uh, a little bit over muscular but um (laughs) overall this was we'll get into grading i'm sure but um you just don't get products like this very often
3: chad
1: final thoughts um i was i was a little less positive about it it just it it um I don't think I like historical things. I don't think I like my <laughs> comics based in any kind of actual, uh, any kind of reality. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I the art stood out to me uh, mostly positive. Sometimes a little a little wonky, but mostly positive. I, I was into that a lot. Feels it it felt very important. Uh, uh, you know, in in what it what it represents and what it stands for. Uh, No matter, you know, my feeling of historic liking historical stories, you can still recognize uh, how impressive it is and and how important it is to read something like this for
3: sure.
2: You said important. That's a key word. This was an important story. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we want to we want to grade it. Chad, you want
0: to go first on the grade?
3: Yeah, sure.
1: We go up from there.
3: Go up from there, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it actually went up quite a bit as we talked about it. You know, just you know, when we when we when we talk about things, it, it definitely lines some things up a little bit more. But I gave this a seven point five, a very fine, or yeah, a very fine minus. Uh, you know, and most of that just being uh, the, the fact that I'm I'm not a big nonfiction fan.
2: Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm gonna break the nine. The nine barrier and go nine point two. Um, I, I I think for all the reasons we've already discussed, I don't have to get into it again. But uh, this was uh, this was really good to read, and I uh, sort of on the opposite of what Shad says. I love historical mm-hmm. fiction. I love being able to cross reference and say, "Oh yeah, that really did happen," and this is a this is a an interpretation of that so uh and i thought um you know the art might have been something that was if it would have been i'd say a near mint or near mint plus if it wasn't for the art i think but again it tells the story well and i think really even if i was at a certain level until that last page or two but the positivity of that last page like you said scott with steve rogers and isaiah bradley together arm in arm and Bradley's, you know, even though he's lost all, a lot of his wherewithal because mm-hmm. of the, you know, the non-treatment after the serum, he's just happy to be in that suit, that that, that torn-up suit. So, yeah, 9.2. Well, I'm at uh, 8.5,
0: very fine plus. Um, and as much as I waffle back and forth on the artwork... At this point, I think if anybody else had had drawn this, it would have been the bat, the wrong choice. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's this was the right creative team for this particular story. This is this is not artwork I would want to see on a book that I'm buying month to month, right? But no, no, for for this story, it's 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 perfect and it's exactly how it needs to be. Um, this the the tie in, I like I like that it's it's not a history book. But it just gives you little glimpses of things in history um, to, to, you know, kind of cement it into the real world and and when when things would have actually happened. So, yeah, I'm a I'm a very fine plus. And I actually, you know, what's bad is that's that grade for a book that I say I need to own and I might have a trade of it someplace. I guess I need to see if I actually have the trade for it or not, (laughs) because if I don't, I need to pick it up. So, yeah. So. All right. We ready to move on.
3: Do yep, we, we are. do
0: are we good? Are we good time wise? I mean, we we've kind of <laughs> we've kind of gone a little longer, I think, on that one than what we maybe intended to. Um, we good time wise. we okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we don't have to dig as deep into this one, though. It's gonna be tough for me to not dig super deep into this. So um, I'll I'll try to go fast in my little issue synopsis of this. So um, our other book for the evening is Rachel Rising, Volume One. This is of course a Terry Moore. Uh, book. This is part of the Mooreverse. Um, this was actually, for me, the first Terry Moore story that I uh, read and then went on to read some of the others um, after after the fact. So I'm just going to dig into issue one, uh, give a real quick synopsis, then we can just talk about it. So, all right. So Rachel uh, digs herself out of a shallow grade with a blonde haired onlooker uh, taking in the event. I'm going to refer to that blonde haired onlooker here just as the, the blonde haired voyeur. Uh, (laughs) Just because we don't really We don't learn her name uh, In this story, so anyway So Rachel manages to get home And after showering, pays close attention To the damage done to her eyes And the strangle marks on her neck She has flashes of a fight uh, And being choked Uh, She begins to piece together the timeline Of what happened before those events And remembers meeting her friend Jet, who at the end of the issue She begins to try to track her down all right, so issue one, All right. short and sweet, right? Okay, so there mm-hmm. There we go. One of the things about uh, these Terry Moore books, you could almost not read a single word on any of the pages and still have a really strong idea about what is taking yeah. place in these stories. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so, Chad, do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not generally normally a, a big black and white fan uh, of comics, but uh there's a couple of things that are the exception to the rule walking dead is one for me um and uh and usually if somebody is writing and drawing their own thing if they're they are both the artist and the writer they understand that story in a way that they don't need coloring colorist to necessarily help move that story along and terry moore definitely pulls that off uh for me so that was kind of my my introduction to this was uh oh, it's black and white, and then, oh, this is good. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of all in, in the same few pages uh, right away. So, you know, this first issue, I'm, I'm hooked and I'm in. Oh, okay. Uh, I am going to say something. I was going to get this out of the way.
0: I think that Terry Moore hates all other men. All right? There is not <laughs> – I cannot come up character. with a <laughs> single positive male character in any wow. of his books. All right. They're all, you know, it's just, it's all over the place. And, you know, you can just kind of see, you know, you know, the, one of the first, like the end of the issue, the, the brother, well, he's just this obese guy that just sits on the front porch. Apparently all the time, you got the mechanic who's, you know, hitting on the, hitting on the girls in, in the garage. Okay. I guess the closest thing in this entire series is the guy who randomly picks Rachel's up, takes her home and then leaves, you know, I mean, that's just. (laughs) That's the closest thing to a a positive male in this entire story. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and if you go read *Strangers in Paradise*, it's the same way. Motor Girl, same way. Yeah. <laughs> There's just there are there are not. So if you are somebody who can't accept that, you don't want to read anything by Terry Moore. I'm <laughs> just going to throw that out there to begin with. So okay, moving on to Rachel to issue two. Uh, uh, Rachel.
3: Oh, no, I, I,
2: did, I just wanted to say about. Issue one. I mean, I mean, I could apply this to any of the issues. Is that this is the cleanest drawn horror I've ever seen, and it really is horror because he does like the first several pages. There's not a single word of dialogue, and you can just see how messed up it is. It reminded me of Pet Cemetery by Stephen King, her clawing her her way out of the grave and and uh, and all that. So yeah, it's it's. Um, I think what Chad said was that it hooked him, and it did me too.
0: So issue two, Rachel visits her Aunt Johnny in the morgue where she works. Uh, Johnny uh, speaks to Rachel, but it's as if she's not really there. Uh, The changes in Rachel even cause Johnny to think it's not actually her. Uh, Rachel basically drags Johnny out of the morgue and takes her to the place where she was buried. We temporarily switch over to Zoe, and I don't think we actually even get her name at this point, who actually finds the blonde-haired voyeur in her kitchen. Back to Johnny and Rachel, where they walk to uh, where she was buried, they cross a field where in the past, a hundred women were hanged for witchcraft and then set on fire. As the pair arrives at Rachel's empty grave, Johnny thinks that Rachel is a ghost sent to help her recover her body, but learns then that Rachel is actually alive. Uh, back to Zoe in her house where her older sister comes home whom Zoe similarly kills uh, with a iron uh, pan and then suffocates her
2: <laughs> that was i have to say this before i forget but i'm like i've never thought of saran wrap being a murder weapon before <laughs> but then you think about it if anyone's ever tried to you know how the saran wrap will sometimes stick mm-hmm. to the 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 spool itself and mm-hmm. not the edge and trying to get that on, but you imagine that trying to get that off your face? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, that's horrible.
0: I've apparently watched too many like TV shows where they put the plastic bag right. over somebody's head that it just, it just, yeah, I've, I've, maybe I I've just need to get better, more positive TV to watch or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, something else that you kind of, it's not obvious when you meet these two characters, Jet in the first issue and Johnny in the second issue. Because of their names and how they are drawn, it is not 100% obvious that both of those characters are female. Mm, until mm-hmm. later on, calls Johnny Ant, you know, and then you see Jet later on in the, when she's playing bass guitar, and you realize, okay, these, these are actually female characters. I, and I guess that, I don't know if that's something that Moore does deliberately, or what for these characters? But it, it's you know again, it's just you don't know. You're left a little guessing. And literally, the first time I read this, I thought Jet was a guy. Mm. So at least until like the third issue or something like that, when it becomes right. very obvious, you know that that's not the case. So
1: <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of Aunt Johnny. I like her a lot. She's probably <laughs> yeah. my favorite character in the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like around...
0: the grandma in uh, Once in Future, you know, yeah. but yes. a different style yeah. of cool character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: About the time that uh, the Saran Wrap Murder happened, I was like, Scott recommended this book.
3: I was like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> got through issue two before I was like, oh wow, all right, well,
0: yeah,
3: okay, all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it, but I didn't,
0: I wouldn't guess. <laughs> uh, anything to add on to before I go to three? No. All right, so in three, Rachel finally catches up with Jet playing bass guitar in a bar. Uh, Rachel gets sick and vomits dirt and string. (laughs) Uh, While she's in the bathroom, a woman enters, and Rachel, after touching her, speaks a dark prophecy over the woman who leaves the bathroom shaken. Our blonde-haired voyeur also is in the bar, manipulates that woman's fiance into thinking she is planning to leave him. Uh, The voyeur exits the bar to the roof, and Rachel follows her. Somehow, the woman appears on a neighboring rooftop, and as Rachel notices a fire in the distance, she is struck from behind by the falling body of the woman, the the woman of the, the fiance, right? Mm-hmm. And both fall to their seeming deaths. Switch over to Zoe, who has set her house on fire and is dragging her lifeless sister's body out of the home to the trunk of the family car.
2: <laughs> Crazy issue.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've only had about four... Like four pages, maybe five pages of Zoe in this, mm-hmm. but she's had a very dramatic impact um, yeah. on the on Just the reader. Love watching so, her yeah.
2: driving with a broomstick, you know, <laughs> yeah, trying to reach the accelerator. <laughs> yeah, there. You know, the first was this issue three or two, or this was three, three. This so was three, the first yeah. two issues were kind of a slow burn. They didn't have a whole lot happen, but this issue more than made up for it. It was just a lot of stuff going on every, you know, just the developments of, um, uh, you know, Rachel going to the bar and, and where, where jets playing, And then you see that she's got stuff still in her system that she's throwing up. And then she's meets this woman who's so happy she's going to get married. And then she just <laughs> blurts out how yeah. terrible of a future she has. Uh-huh. And it comes out to be true. Uh-huh. And, and then seeing Zoe with her sister loading her up in the trunk, it's it's just a lot happened. And right. it was it was a wow factor going on.
1: Yeah, we've got this weird B story of Zoe that we don't quite understand mm-hmm. what's happening. Just, you no. know, uh, the whole the action with the with uh, Rachel's second death or whatever mm-hmm. I had. To, I flipped through again. I was like, did what happened? Just is it what I think just happened? Did somebody just. <laughs> fall down and knock her off of the <laughs> roof, and sure enough, yeah, that was exactly what happened. That was it, uh, so yeah. and so we, and I guess we find out that Rachel has some sort of power uh, that she can, mm-hmm. she can see people's future or death or something, perhaps at this point. Yeah.
0: And it's implied that this is new since her coming yeah. from the gr- <laughs> coming out of the grave. Right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on to issue four. Uh, Jet and Johnny um, arrive to identify Rachel's body, but surprisingly find her alive. But with all the characteristics of somebody who is actually dead uh, back to the fiance, you know, who is now taking, uh, uh, gosh, yeah, he's basically taking his, 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 de- I don't want to call them each other fiance and fiance, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the male fiance takes the dead female fiance, basically to the same spot where Rachel had emerged from the grave. Uh, As he is preparing to bury her, uh, the female fiance's body is possessed by some type of snake uh, before he actually is able to bury her. Um, As he returns to his car, his car is struck (laughs) by another vehicle driven by Zoe, who then (laughs) opens up the trunk and asks for his help to to help dispose of her sister's body. (laughs) Back in the morgue, Uh, Johnny, Rachel and Jet are basically they're just talking about Rachel's current situation that, you know, she's not dead. She is dead. Whatever the case may be. Back to Zoe, who then kills the male fiance after he helped her uh, bury the body. After leaving, uh, Zoe then bumps into our blonde haired voyeur and who comments that she really doesn't think she's going to need her again. (laughs) Which kind of wraps up the issue
3: i i
2: am <laughs> speechless at some of this yeah, but it, I, first crazy, of all yeah. yeah it is crazy and it's it just shows you the power of sequential storytelling um with art it, yeah. it's mm-hmm. just the, yeah the dialogue helps but you're right when you first said at the when you said at the very beginning that terry moore has this knack for telling a story with his art and that that panel where where uh rachel just pops up in the morgue off the Mm -hmm. table and and says and johnny and scares the bejesus out of (laughs) and johnny and jet jet says Mm -hmm. mother mother mary joseph and the donkey and
3: uh you can imagine
2: i mean you could see these things happen um and going on through it i mean just that that (laughs) that poor guy fiance i mean he's (laughs) He doesn't even know what he's doing and why oh. or why he's doing it. Then he gets whacked. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah,
0: it's just, um, oh, gosh. I had something I was going to comment on. And uh, I, I don't. Well, maybe it will come to me later on. So I'll, I'll come it, back
1: to it. Is there a sign that says, hey, bury your bodies in the dried up creek bed? Is that <laughs> <Yeah>. like? <laughs> well, OK, no, but it's. <laughs> It's that I'm glad
0: you said that because that reminds me of what it was I was going to say. There's this moment, right, in issue two where Johnny and Rachel are walking across that field. And it's just mentioned in passing. It's like one panel where it talks about that field where a hundred women were hanged for witchcraft yeah. and then set on fire. Okay, yeah. And all of these, these are all they're all crossing that same field. Yeah. So and this becomes significant not so much in this volume. But in subsequent volumes, okay. uh, yeah, so it's like we just get one or two panels about it, but it actually is a lot of the backstory for why these events are actually taking place.
1: Well, I do. I, I do enjoy that. You know, we kind of started we definitely started with everything being separate in one way or another, especially with Zoe and Rachel's story. And we're starting to see that crossover already uh, in this as we're kind of wrapping up this first volume. And I, I, I dig that. So on to yeah. issue five, yeah. You, you got anything else, Mike?
0: No, no. Okay, so Richie, issue five. Rachel awakens in Johnny's home, and and uh, Rachel and Jet reminisce about their friendship. So we get a little little history about how long they've known each other, and Rachel basically retells part of the story about what she remembers, you know, when she climbs out of the grave, and in fact how she knew which way was up when she was digging and ran into yeah. another body, knew that she needed to go the other direction, right? Uh, So Johnny, however, Aunt Johnny, brings in another older doctor basically to comment on Rachel's current situation and yet another deviant man uh, that we have inside of this story. All right. Uh, Back to Zoe. They are attempting to place Zoe in foster care, but in comes the creepy perv foster dad who basically uh, scares Zoe a little bit, though there is some type of supernatural intervention there. Um, As Zoe escapes, the foster dad gets his head stuck in the elevator and is decapitated, which we see his lone head in the elevator as Zoe exits the facility. (laughs) As much as
2: I love that scene, I thought, well, that's I mean, every elevator I've been in, I've you can kind of stop the closing of the door. But um, still, you get the you get the message. He deserved it, too. Yeah.
0: Well, there, and again, there's some supernatural elements going on. Oh, gee. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we, you know, we we can suspend that disbelief, you know, there. are right a little about bit, that. So. Yeah.
1: But once again, yeah. multiple
0: male, non male positive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> she doesn't even, and before they get to the elevator, she doesn't push him physically across the hallway into that wall. No. There's, her arms don't come up at all. It just, it's it says swag, uh, which I guess is some emotion that that's yeah. the onomatopoeia to it. Uh, so so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely she has some some sort of powers that mm-hmm. allows her to throw humans across an entire hallway, uh, which means she could probably hold an elevator door closed with her mind as well.
0: And, and I don't know that our blonde-haired warrior is not somehow involved in that. though no, we don't actually see her. Okay. At this point, you know, because a lot of the things that are supernatural have been, have been, have been occurring. Um, and I just, I had to laugh because of the scene where he gets his head stuck and she just holds up her finger and then presses the button. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and you just see his eyes. Whoa! Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Issue six, last issue. Uh, back at Johnny's house, they continue to discuss. Rachel's current state of being. All right, uh, here, the now the dead, jumping back to our burial scenes, right? Uh, the dead female fiance has managed to dig herself out of her grave and is picked up by the creepy former army medic who attempts to diagnose her. Well, that creepy former army medic is then killed by that snake that pops out of her mouth, right? and And finishes off the guy. He uh, says, back, trust me,
1: I'm practically Rachel, a doctor. doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Rachel and the crew return back to the scene of Rachel's second death, where she fell from the top of the building, and encounter both our blonde-haired voyeur and Zoe. Rachel learns that only she and Zoe are able to see our blonde, right? And also, yes. as Rachel is talking to the blonde, and of course, it's I keep saying blonde, but Rachel's also blonde, so... Um, As they talk, you know, she sees the voyeur in a different appearance. Her clothes move from being modern clothes to being very puritanical or pilgrim-like garb um, before she vanishes. Uh, We go to the home of our elderly doctor friend who has planted on the couch apparently his deceased and embalmed wife. Uh, much like a kind of like a psycho uh, Mm -hmm. mother type of a situation. Uh, Rachel and Johnny and Jet are then driving home, are involved in a crash. Uh, Rachel is uh, thrown out of the vehicle, but she's actually run through by rebar, I guess is what was on the Mm -hmm. truck. Uh, Johnny also ejected from the vehicle, um, is laying nearby with probably a broken back. And Jet... Uh, who Johnny comments, that's too much blood, is seen uh, bleeding out. Uh, Jet and Rachel exchange a few final words, and then Jet dies. Our final set of scenes for issue six, we see Jet laying in the morgue for several panels until the final panel, her eyes open. And we also notice that she now, in addition to having the eyes like Rachel has, also has the marks of strangulation around her mm-hmm.
2: neck the ligature marks yeah yeah
0: to wrap up issue 6
2: what do you so. think that that's indicating i mean she There wasn't any injury to (laughs) her neck, so you'll. Oh wait, you know, but I've read. So okay, I've read. Yeah.
0: So do you want me to comment? No, 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 no. I'm going to continue to read. Okay. Okay, Good. Okay. So you like it well enough that you're going to keep going. It's Mm -hmm. only six. What six more volumes, I think. So. (laughs) It's good.
3: I was
1: I was also confused by that because I was like I had to go back and was like Jet's the only one with black hair, so that that has to be Jet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. back on the on there and, and the yeah absolutely the the neck marks got me as well and i and i looked at the injury and i was like has nothing to do with the neck why why is this there and Mm -hmm. so it definitely left me with a little bit of that mystery of of what what's going on yeah yeah so well okay i just
0: won't i won't say anything you know looking forward but having reread volume one i am also going to reread all the subsequent volumes as well (laughs) forget about my to read pile i'm rereading rachel (laughs) rising again you know just just working through it so um, but I, you just I, I can't say enough about this story. The artwork is so incredible. It just it is. It sucks you in. It, like it's it's an incredibly quick read. Um, it, it's, it's too quick sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, it's like I, I want this to I want this to last a little bit longer. So yeah. um, I don't know what else what else do you guys want to add about this book?
1: The crows are a big imagery in the in the story, but not really pointed out for any specific reason. Um, I'm curious to see if those kind of play in later on as well, or if they're just there because crows are creepy. <laughs> I,
0: I, oh gosh, I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember if they have any specific impact, but it does have a lot to do with just the nature of the town. Right. So it's, it's, okay. it's there. So
2: <laughs> it sounds like Stephen King type stuff. It really does, which to me is a mm-hmm. a, a positive. Okay. I thought it was a great story, the good pacing, like you you were mentioning, it goes yeah. quickly but um then it's, it's sometimes I mean not a, it it lets the character development yeah. build at a good pace. Um even though you're reading it quick, well, I think part of the reason it gets a quick read is because there's not a ton of dialogue. You're relying mm-hmm. on the yeah. art. And when you read it a second time, which when we do these books, I usually read them twice anyway, mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh yeah, you just kind of absorb it." And, uh, it's got scary scenes, um, and it's kind of humorous at times. So, yeah, this is all the right combinations.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. We ready to grade it? Yeah, I think so. All right. So who wants, who wants to, who wants to go first? Mike, you want to go first this time?
2: Yeah, sure. I'll give it, uh. I set the bar high last time. (laughs) Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, you did. I like this enough to say eight five, eight point five, very fine plus. Mm -hmm. I I don't need. So what you're
0: saying is you like truth more than you like this.
2: I did. Okay, I like because of the historical stuff. Okay, it's it's sometimes. I mean, we all like our reading sometimes to be an escape. Mm -hmm. But and that's what this is. It's just good horror. But at the same time, I love me some books, um, a story that's got historical roots. So Good. that's where that's where that bumps up uh, truth. All right. Shad, what about you?
1: I am also an 8.5. Um, and I actually went up a little bit as we were talking about this uh-huh. Uh uh, which, yeah, it's, it's just bound to happen. I might as well just round up another like half a point, uh, <laughs> when we talk before we even talk and just go, it's going to end up there. Um, and actually I anticipate if, if I were to grade this after I do, I already own all seven volumes. Um, so after I finish reading it, I I kind of anticipate maybe even feeling more positive about this than I currently do, but <laughs> as of just this this kind of one volume that doesn't have a giant ending or a giant resolve at the end of it or even any kind of high peak. There's there's it just kind of tells this linear story uh that's really cool. Um I think I think we'll have even more positive feelings about this as I finish the, all of it.
0: All right. Well I'm at a nine two on on this story because I, you know, one of my big concerns as I was, re- as we reread this or as I reread this, like, man, is it going to hold up? You know, is, is it going to be as positive now as it was the first time mm. that I read it? And it does make me want to go back and read the other remaining volumes again, just to refresh the entire story. Um, I do own it. It's in my, it's in my library. Um, not only do I have the, the, the trades, I've got copies of the first issue. Uh, for my for my personal collection, so so yeah, it's, this is a story I love. It's one that's great to recommend to somebody who doesn't want superheroes, for mm-hmm. somebody who wants like strong female characters, right, or mm-hmm. who wants like supernatural. You know, it's 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 a it's a good recommendation for anybody who's looking for those types of reads. So yeah, all right, CLZ shake. Uh, I'll go. I've got mine already so i think i will shake and go oh hey so we actually talked about this book in i think the not the maybe not the last previews but the previews before so this is silver star issue number one yeah and we talked about because tomorrow's just did a graphite edition of uh no they did a graphite of destroyer duck not this book oh yeah yeah but I knew about the graphites because I have the graphite of Silver Star, number one. So our, the entire Silver Star series, it was only like seven issues. So this came out from Pacific Comics. This was later in Jack Kirby's career um, where he was going to some publishers that would basically let him own the characters that he was working with. And this is one of the crazy characters he created. Uh, the Silver Star was, it wasn't Homo Superior like the mutants. It was Homo Geneticus. So, um, it was kind of a play on, uh, mutants going on to a different level. Um, lots of, you know, if you've read any of the fourth world that Kirby does, a lot of high language tries to be high language in it, you know, um, sometimes it falls a little flat, but this was actually, especially when you see it in pencils, I actually, I did enjoy, uh, this story quite a bit. So if you're... If you're a big fan, and especially if you can track out the gr- down the graphite version of this more than mm-hmm. the than the the colored and inked version of this, I think it's a really really enjoyable read, so and thus it's in my
3: in my collection <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> who's next? I could do it
1: the accelerators the accelerators this okay. is issue twenty uh which is the new uh a new arc it started. Okay. Uh, this is actually a book that I was gonna suggest maybe we read the first volume of at some point. Um, I've is, never heard of it. Really? <laughs> uh, it's an it's an indie book by Blue Juice Comics as the publisher. Um, the the Blue Juice guys were the like producers and part of the crew for the comic book men show, uh, TV oh. show. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So they were like, and they had a like some of the guys, the crew from that have a comic book company called Blue Juice Comics, and so. Hmm. Uh, Accelerators was their first book. It's kind of a time travel story. You've got a a, a deadbeat uh kind of guy uh that uh ends up somehow getting a hold of I can't remember, uh, this time travel device, but you can only move forward in time, if I remember right. Okay. Um uh but it's a pretty cool story and uh it's on comicsology, unlimited and all that. So I I would recommend it. I have all of all of the books of the accelerators is like Walt Flanagan involved in it. Uh, it... I think he might've done uh, some, some B covers and stuff. And, uh, but that's about about
0: any main uh, book. Okay. No,
1: no, it's actually, it's drawn by Gavin Smith, which I really uh, enjoy uh, his art. And uh, I've met him at a comic con before and, uh, and kind of have kept up with his art and stuff that he's been involved with uh, past the Accelerators.
3: All right. Mike? Okay. Go. <laughs> Convergence.
2: Oh, <that's... laughs> I'm sorry, Mike.
3: <laughs>
2: Convergence Justice League International from, it was the, you know, Convergence was the non- Event, event. Um, it was basically used to fill the gaps. It was a fifth, fifth week event to fill the gap with DC moving from New York to um, LA or where were they? Yeah. Uh, not what's the name? It starts with a B. Burbank. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's yeah. I don't know. I I'm sure I read it, but it's it's a lot of it's it's mostly just Elseworlds or alternative histories um and this is going back reliving the justice league international which is great in and of itself uh ted cord martian manhunter fire and i star as the levity of the jli team collides with the severity of the world of kingdom come so i'm sure i had a an order of what i liked best out of the convergence titles at the time but i have forgotten since then this was written (laughs) by ron mars art my oh. art by mike manley um but yeah it's it, it that that's what it is it was, <laughs> I, I don't i don't remember much more about it it was just one of those events that didn't have much consequence yeah i think the only
0: significant thing that really came out of convergence was jonathan kent yes you're yeah, right i mean that's really the only significant thing that came out of that so yeah all right, so Chad, what's our next episode going to be? We have previews
2: next.
3: Woo-hoo.
2: Surprise, it's already recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I know I want to say, "Oh my gosh, I got some work to do. I need to <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be ready in time."
1: <laughs> All
0: right, Chad, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they do that?
1: Me? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Shad Schubert. That's S-H-A-A-D-S-C-H-U-B-E-R-T. And, of course, check out my band, Shad and Thomas.
0: Mike, what about you?
2: Uh, Email-wise, it's m.atchison90 at gmail.com. And on Twitter, it's Mike Atchison5.
0: And I'm Scott Reed. You can find me at birdcomics.com with links to my Facebook multimedia. Stop in the shop. Check out some of my dollar books. And, of course, you can email all three of us at podcast at And we'll be back soon with previews. All right, this is 152, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. For real this time. For real this time. Yes, for real this time. <laughs> okay. Well, you guys got get your drinks? You ready to start? Yep. Yep. Get liquor up before we get this going? Huh? I just got some water.
3: <laughs> I just have a cherry Coke Zero and water myself, so. <laughs>
1: well, you have one but I
3: mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> we good? Yep. Okay, so. So welcome to episode
0: 152 of the Campus Comics Cast, where you can feel free to share your podcast. Are you? No, starting over. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I get you. Well, I will have, like, sketches of my notes here. So oh, it's just like, I don't have a whole intro. I'm just trying to wing it. So. <clears throat>